Rio Grande. Los Angeles Police calling all cars. Attention all Los Angeles County Sheriff's cars. Broadcast 176. Investigative shooting at 741 Orange Street, Monrovia. That's all. Monrovia, 
two minutes past nine on the morning of April 15th, 1934. The scene, a man and a woman standing, facing each other, staring into one another's eyes, saying nothing, only breathing, breathing heavily. I figured they wanted to talk, so I left. Which 
to God I'd known what he was going to do, I'd have kept him from doing it or something. Wilson, this Johnson kid seems to have something on his mind that he won't tell us. Have you any idea what it might be? Well, well, yes and no. I, I know if I'd done what he did, I'd have plenty on my mind, too. But well, aside from the fact that he's pretty much of a louse, I don't know. So you were pretty interested in this Myers girl, weren't you? That's right. I was. How about Johnson? Listen, if I had to tell you all about it, I will. But I wish you'd, you'd get it out of him if you can. I'm liable to say things that, well, might make it tough on him. Naturally, the way I feel right now, I I can't feel anything but hate for him. All right, Wilson, I understand. I'm going to have a little talk with Johnson, and maybe he'll feel more like talking now. However, if he doesn't, would you be willing to tell us what you know? Sure. All right, then suppose you go back wherever you were and take it easy. We'll get in touch with him. Okay. And thanks. I guess I'm a little upset by all this. But... All right, you go home and get some rest. Okay. Thanks. Sort of all broken up about it, eh, Philip? Yeah, yeah, too bad. Well, people are like that. Suppose we go in and see how this Johnson lab feels now. I'll have to take him back to the city tonight and book him in the county jail. Yeah, all right. He's sitting in the captain's office looking at the floor last time I saw him. All right, let's go in and see him. Well, Johnson, this is the deputy sheriff from Los Angeles. He wants to talk to you. Sure. Everybody wants to talk to me. Everybody wants to ask a million questions. For what reason? You have my statement that I shot her. Isn't that enough? No, not quite, Johnson. We'd like to know why you did it. Now, what made you deliberately shoot a girl that you claimed to have been crazy about? Are you insane? Insane? Sure. If you recall what I've been going through, insanity. Only, I didn't mean to shoot her. I was going to kill myself, and then I suddenly saw her there, and I... Oh, what difference does it make? What good now? What what I say? I'm sick. Oh, look, come on. Take a hold of yourself and try to understand something. Sooner or later, you're going to be trying for murder. Murder? Yeah, the girl you shot is dying. She hasn't a chance in the world to live, according to the doctor. Then why don't you take me out of here and finish it off? Strap me in the chair. Drop me through a trap of the rope around my neck. Anything. Why keep playing with me? Well, because we want to know why you did it, Charlie. You want to know why I did it? You want to know? Do you suppose I don't? All right, then let's hear all about it. Maybe you can get it straight in your own mind. All right. Only, it's going to take a lot of time. A lot of talking to tell you about it. All right, we're willing to listen, Charlie. Now go ahead. Okay. You see, the trouble was that I was nuts about it. You know how it is. You meet someone and you fall for them. And you begin thinking maybe you're really in love. That's what happened to me. I met her through a friend of mine one night at a party. There was a lot of people there fooling around and tossing down a few drinks, and this friend of mine introduced us. We were standing in the kitchen, building a drink. <laughs> hey, where do you two think you're going? I didn't say you could have her. Just wanted to introduce you to each other. <laughs> Be back in a minute, Freddie. You work on that drink you've got in your hand, you'll feel better. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> How long have you been marooned with that laughing hyena? <laughs> I lost count after the first 50 years. How's about you and me sneaking out and driving somewhere? We could let the back door here. Nobody'd be the wiser. You think Freddie'd be sore? I don't think Freddie's going to know whether he's standing or sitting after about one more of those drinks he's down. Come on, let's be different. Well, why not? After all, wasn't it somebody named Columbus who took a chance? That's the spirit. Here, out this way. And if you're a nice little girl, I'll order a move just for you to play. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. 
praise and Phillips Listen, Deputy Lynch, stenographer, makes a silent record of Charles Johnson's budding romance of Mars. For several weeks, the infatuation grows, and then shortly before Christmas, Charles picks her up one night, drives to a secluded spot where he parks his car, turns off the light. Well, why this? I thought we were going to a party somewhere. Listen, Marge, you and I have been running around together for weeks now. So far, we've had a swell time, kidding and all that. But I can't kid anymore. I'm nuts about you. Charlie. Now, wait a minute. I know you think a lot of screwy ideas about marriage and love and all that, but they're all wrong. I'm crazy about you, Marge. I want you to marry me. But well, how are we going to get married when you haven't even got a job? I've got one. It's a thing for me if you'll say you'll marry me. How about it? Well, I... Look, I got a ring here. I want you to have it. Well, Charlie, you don't give me any time to think. You like me, don't you? Yes, I like you. And I'm nuts about you. Come on, tell me. Well... Yes. Please. Well, all right, Charlie. I'll wear your ring. And I'll have a job inside of 24 hours. You wait. I'll show you that I can get places. With you, I can hit the top. But saying it proves easier than actually doing it. And weeks go by in which Charlie makes no progress. Weeks also in which Charlie's attitude towards Marge changes. Becomes bitter, mean. And Marge, what of her? Honestly, Steve, I don't know what to do about Charlie. He's so jealous he won't let me do anything. Well, why don't you think him, Ma? Tell him to lay off. Oh, I, I don't know, Steve. Maybe it's because I feel a little sorry for him. He's so sort of young about everything. Billy, he's not young. Oh, I don't know what to do. Is he coming over tonight? Oh, yes, he wouldn't miss. Well, why don't you tell him how you feel? You can't just go on fighting all the time. I know that's what I ought to do, only I... Only you feel sorry for him, and you can't better hurt him. Isn't that it? I, I guess so. Well, then don't be silly. Talk to him tonight and finish it. Get it settled once and for all. Well, I, I don't know whether I can get the nerve to do it or not, but I'll try. I know that's what I want. And that's what I want, too. You know that? I'll try, Steve. I'll try my very hardest. Enough lying, and I'm not going to listen to any more from you. 
Now get out of here and stay out. You don't really mean that. Oh, yes, I do. Get out. Why, you little tramp. Okay. I'll get out. But before I do, let me give you a little warning. I told you once I was in love with you. I'm telling you the same thing now. And I'm going even further than that. I'll get out, and I'll stay until you want me back. But if I catch you playing around with anyone else, it'll be tough for you and for him, too. Understand? Perfectly. Now will you get out? Kiss me first. Charlie! I said kiss me. Don't touch me. Yes. Let him find it out, Wayne. Yeah, sure, this is too good to stop. All right, wait a minute. 
wait a minute now. Now, listen, listen. You and your girlfriend better go somewhere else. This is a respectable place here. We don't like this sort of thing, see? See, are you trying to throw us out? I'm asking you to leave. Well, I'm not leaving until I get good and ready to. What do you think of that? Please, Charlie. As for you, I don't care whether you go home or not. Well, yes. let's see it. Show this gentleman the door, will you? All right, buddy. How would you like it? Walking or flying? Listen, if you think you can throw me out of here... Come on, Steve. Come on. Oh, hey, let's go. Humiliated, disgusted, Marge his home, leaving Charlie fighting with a few stalwart dancers, Al and Steve. But the struggle is short-winded, and he's deposited roughly in the gravel outside the place. And as the realization of the scene creeps into his mind, his fury suddenly gives way to a new feeling. Marge, what will she think now? At the corner drugstore, he phones her, receives no answer. In his car, he drives to her apartment, pounds on the door. But she fails to reply. And inside Charlie's jealousy crazed mind, something snaps. Reason, sanity, every stable emotion is suddenly swept away in a blaze of passion. All the rest of that night, he walks, thinking. The next day, he phones, but she hangs up on him and then begins an incredible week of fast-moving events. Monday, Marge receives a letter. My dearest Marge, for your sake, read this. I've got to know you've forgiven me. I put you before everything, friends, family, self. I tried to prove to you that I'm a man, and I know I'm a coward, a fool, a little boy. Believe me, Marge, I love you more than life. Tuesday at Marge's house. Marge, please, open the door and let me talk to you. Go away, darling. Stop writing those letters. But listen, Marge, I've got to talk to you. I, I'll kill myself if I can't see you. You haven't the nerve. All right, but you'll feel differently when you read about it. I can't stand it any longer. I can't. Wednesday, an envelope containing three playing cards. Written on the eight of hearts. Here is my heart. It is yours. Do with it as you will. Crush it, break it, tear it apart, or curse it. It beats for you alone. On the two of hearts. This is our hearts as we were once. Two minds with but a single thought. Two hearts that beat as one. And on the play of hearts? This signifies the things that might have been. A little pity of our own. Thursday, at a friend's house in Pasadena. Well, you're more than welcome to the gun, Charlie, but what do you want it for? I've got a job chauffeuring, and I have to go to the beach for the weekend. I thought I might need some protection. Will I get you into trouble if you get caught carrying it? Oh, no, i got a permit to carry a gun. It'll be all right. Well, it's all right by me, Charlie. You can take that automatic there, only... Don't get in any trouble with it. Oh, don't worry. I won't. Even if I do, it won't reflect on you. Friday. Charlie walks the streets for hours, his muddled brain trying to grasp at some straw of reason. Love, hate, self-pity all rise in his mind, distorting every sane thought. Late that evening, another phone call. And this time he hears Marge's voice. Hello? Marge. Listen, please, don't hang up. You've got to hear me out. Charlie, I told you we were through. Can't you get that into your head? But I've got to see you just for a few minutes. I've got to say goodbye. I don't want to see you, Charlie. I tried to tell you nicely, but you won't listen. So this is the only way left. Marge, listen to me. If someone you didn't know asked you to do a favor for them, a favor that meant everything in life, you'd do it, wouldn't you? Why, Patricia? Well, I'm asking you that favor. All I want to do is to see you. Talk to you for a few minutes. 
Then I'll leave for good. I won't bother you again. Tell me that before. This time I mean it. You've got to do it, Marge. I'm sorry, Julia. I can't see you. Now I'm going to say goodbye. But wait a minute. Marge. Marge, I'm coming over to see you. I've got to talk to you once more. Saturday, April 15th, 1934. 7.30 a.m. Who is it? Who is it? Oh, wait a minute. And I told you not to. Now, look. You've got to stop all this. I can't stand it any longer. You can't stand it. That's a laugh. I suppose you think I'm living in a bed of roses. Well, I'm not. I'm sorry, Charlie, but I'm not interested in anything you have to say. Now, will you go away and let me alone? Can't I come in for a minute? No. I won't cause a scene. Honestly, I just want to say goodbye. Oh, Charlie, why can't you understand? I do understand perfectly. The least you can do is talk to me for a few minutes. All right. Come in, then. You can't stay long. Don't worry, I won't. I'll stand up if you don't mind. I I can talk better that way. All right, Charlie. Marge, you remember the night I met you at Freddy's? The night he was so drunk and we went out the back door? Yes. Remember how swell that was? And how much fun we had after it at the beach? Everywhere we went? Yes, I remember. And then something happened. What was it? Oh, please, Charlie. Listen, I've got to know why we busted up. I'm going crazy because I don't know. Charlie, listen to me. I'm sorry you've been hurt. Terribly sorry. But there's nothing I can do about it now. It's all over. Finished. Don't you understand? Yes. I understand. Then will you go now and just forget all about me? Yes. I'll go now. And don't do anything silly, Charlie. I I wouldn't want anything to happen to you. Then you... No. I only feel sorry for you. I don't want to leave yet, Mark. I've got so many things to say. But you've got to. Let me back in for a little more time, please. Oh, Charlie, don't spoil everything. But I've got to. It's important. Oh, Charlie, for the love of heaven, will you please get out of here and let me get some sweet seeds coming for me at night? I've got to look decent. Steve's coming for you. You've got to look decent for Steve. Charlie. All right. You'll look decent. The only way you ever could be decent. Charlie, put that gun away, please. Decent for Steve. <laughs> On June 18, 1934, Charles Johnson was sentenced by Judge Elliot Craig to the term prescribed by law for the charges of murder in the first degree. The sentence carried with it, however, recommendations for leniency due to the nature of the crime and the willingness of the accused to admit his guilt. Thus, for his hasty action, because he did not think first, Charles Johnson is now in San Quentin Penitentiary, a victim of his own unbridled passion. At the beginning of this program, you heard typical expressions of everyday users of Rio Grande cracked gasoline. You know already that more police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment use Rio Grande Cracked gasoline wherever it is sold than any other brand. You know that Rio Grande Cracked was used last year for more than 50 million miles of law enforcement driving. Don't deprive yourself of police car performance any longer. Be your nearest independent Rio Grande dealer. 
While you are there, ask him to help you select the correct grade of Sinclair motor oil for your car. Eight out of ten drivers use the wrong grade of oil. He can tell you whether you should use SAE 10, 20, 30, and so forth. You'll save money and get better performance when you know. Ask him also for a free copy of Calling All Cars News. The current issue is full of interesting features. An exclusive interview with James Cagney. A salute to RKO's new star, Joanne Fontaine. Detective stories. A men wanted case. Everything. See your Rio Grande dealer tomorrow.